Good morning, Temple family. Really good to see you. I'm excited to be here this morning. It's the first time since November I've been able to share this way with you guys. I'm excited for it. We're going to be continuing on in our study, Growing in Christ, um, looking at Philippians. chapter. Today we're at chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 3, so keep that in mind as we go in. Uh, I just want to let you know that God has been gracious. We're continuing to heal. We're almost, almost there. Uh, but we're just going to have to make sure we follow along with what God wants for us. I want to pray with you. So let's pray together. Most High God, we lift you up. We give you praise. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to look into what it is, to be united in this crazy technology that uh, you have blessed some very creative people to make work for us. And I, I pray that you would, your word would go forward and you would be honored in today. And we lift you up, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, as our story continues on, as we talk about in Philippians, uh, one of the things I was looking for, how do we connect Philippians to Mother's Day? Well, I found this great story because Paul is actually really getting into some intimate things with his friends who are at church. And there's a great story of mothers. In the late 1940s, in the early 1950s, there was a TV show out in San Francisco on the west coast of the U.S. Um, that was called I Remember Mama. Now this particular scene that I'm going to describe with you uh, comes from the, near the end of the series where one of the sons is sitting down and remembering Mama. I remember Mama tucking me in at night, giving me a sweet kiss on the forehead, something I didn't relish at the time. I would love to feel at this moment. I remember Mama caressing me as I lay in bed suffering from pneumonia on three different occasions as a preteen. She gently placed a cold washcloth on my feverish brow and told me I'd be all right. I needed to hear those words. They kept me going. I remember Mama hugging me before I had my appendix removed and the daily visits in the hospital. At times like these, when a boy is full of fright, he needs his Mama more than anything. I remember Mama welcoming the young lady who had become my wife into our family and treating her as one of her own and sharing her amazing recipes. I remember Mama sharing words of warning and wisdom when I was growing up. I didn't always heed them at the time, but neither did I forget them. I remember Mama giving me my first Bible with a beautiful inscription on the inside cover. I cherished that Bible and used it until it fell apart. I remember Mama disciplining me. I always had it coming. And then through tears, telling me she was sorry, but it was necessary, when she had said it hurt her more than it hurt me. I didn't believe her then. But years later, when I had to apply some discipline to my own children, I understood she was speaking a pain of the soul. Now, not all of us have had classic TV moms like this one has been described, but that's part of God's grace to us. That's part of the wonderful blessing that moms women are to us. We get to share in the joys, we get to share in the celebrations, we get to share in the sorrows, and we get to share in the pain. But all of it is used by God to form us. So happy Mother's Day. Now our topic has been growing in Christ, and we're looking specifically at Philippians today. And the title for this one is, We Grow in Christ by Getting Along. This is a bit unusual for Mom's Mother's Day to have these restrictions, so we're doing this through video, which is weird in and of itself. 
It is appropriate that we're working our way through this passage here in Philippians 4. So feel free to look it up in your analog version of the Bible or your device or your tablet or your phone and you can follow along with us on the screen. Won't it be good when we can all actually stand together in church, in a service, for the reading of God's Word? There's a real sweetness there and in being a family and in community. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree on the, in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul has continued to write to this most treasured church family. Since this is such a short passage, that means we'll be brief today, right? Won't take long? Well, right away at the beginning of this passage, we see this wonderful word, therefore. And as always, we have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? And in this case, it's a clear need to be clear on the gospel message to be specific about the salvation and how it comes only through Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, he's cheering them on to stand firm. But as he does, he's using very open and personal language. He calls them brothers and more. He calls them loved. He calls them longed for. He calls them a joy. He calls them a crown. He calls them my beloved. I understand the language of love and the connection there of family, of, of being a part of a community that really means something to you. But what is he talking about with this crown? Well, crown, as you, we study this, is actually a very athletic and an active term. It signifies about victory. It signifies about winning. It's the leafy laurel crown that would be put, placed on the head of the victor in recognition of their accomplishment, of recognition of their toil of their work to get to the point where they're at where they are winning through hard practice paul is claiming the success of the church in philippi it's a victory that is seen by god and to be rewarded in this way that he takes great pride in what god has done an active champion their faith means so much to him that they are his prize his joy is in their faithful service and sharing of the saving truth of the gospel. Now, in verse 2, as the passage continues on, there seems to be a bit of a change of direction here. It's almost like verse 1 is should maybe be with chapter 3, but this is how we have it. So in verse 1, we have this really great look at his, his feelings towards the people and the church in Philippi and, and how he calls them beloved and how he thinks of them as being this amazing accomplishment before the Lord as almost as an offering that he gives up to the, to the Lord on that behalf. But now he's doing something different. He's calling out these two fellow servants of Jesus. Now, they're fellow servants. They're not people who are unknown. These are people that the church would know. This Eodia and Syntyche, well, these are not words, names that we would probably call our family, but these two women who are in the church were likely well known to the church. They had some form of public disagreement. So Paul's calling them out publicly to reconcile. He wants them to find agreement and he wants them to get back to what is really important, that service to the Lord. 
We're not really told the issue here, but it must have been known. They must have known what was going on. He does use some very great wisdom in addressing this with them though. He uses some specific language. Then he's urging them, he's not commanding them. He has not chosen a side. He's not picking one or the other over the other. He's not elevated one up and brought the other one down low. He's urging both of them to seek reconciliation with the other. These women are fellow laborers with Paul. They have a high value and they likely have some position in church that was respected. Now Paul moves on from that, but ties it into uh, the other leaders that are around and he desires them to help these women find a solution and by extension, find the church find a solution to whatever this conflict was that they were dealing with. Maybe just a disagreement. We don't know what it is, but one of those people, he actually calls a fellow yoke fellow. A yoke fellow, this is a weird term. I think it is a great image. If you imagine with me thinking about two oxen behind a pl or pulling a plow together, they have this yoke that goes over their shoulders, just over their neck, and they can strain against that to pull and cause, cause whatever work to happen behind them. But they have to work together. If one of them is out of step or one of them isn't working well, the other one suffers and the other one isn't able to do the job either yoke fellow. They're working together. They're pulling strongly to the same direction. It's great to see them working this way. It's sort of an amazing imagery of, of seeing that. He does mention as it continues along um, another person, Clement. We don't really know much about him. But he's also a fellow worker. And then there's more. He doesn't list. He calls them fellow workers. But they are esteemed by Paul because he recognizes them. His direction over this is significant because it's not a directive. This isn't one of those times where Paul is pulling out the apostle card and saying, hey, you need to fix this. He's not doing that. He's saying, I wanna urge you. Come on, you guys know this, you, you can do it. I believe you can do this. He's very positively encouraging them to make things better, to deal with whatever issue is there. It could have been some mistake or it could have been an oversight. He's encouraging them with gentle correction, and he wants to aid these two sisters in the Lord. Now, there is a special link between these two passages. They seem to be a little bit disconnected, but really, Paul has used some language which is really quite significant. He, used, he ties them together with this one little phrase, and I want to summarize that with you. Um, it's, he's giving gentle ins instruction about the reconciliation. This short phrase we see, it qualifies both passages. If you look to near, right near the end of verse one and to the very end of verse, verse two, you'll see the same phrase appears. It's this, in the Lord. This phrase, in the Lord, it sets our hearts, our words, our motives, our behaviors as in the Lord, which means it right-sizes our priorities. It sets our minds on Jesus. It gets us going the right direction. It gets us thinking about that yoke fellow that we're working with and moving ahead with, with a plan so that things are accomplished well for the Lord. Jesus, as in the Lord, is the great leveler of their faith, of our faith as well. We're all to serve the needs of others. We're here to serve, we're here to love, we're here to care. And the greatest thing we can do about that is sharing about Jesus and what his love has done for us. 
his sacrifice that is the message of the gospel. This is what that in the Lord means. It's bringing out the core message of the gospel. And Paul is reminding this church that he's proud of, much like we're proud of Temple, of bringing out the gospel message, of living in a way that changes not just their lives, but the lives of those around them. Jesus, the gospel message is this, that he was born of a poor virgin girl who was only engaged. She wasn't even married yet. He lived his life without sin. He was punished. He was crucified for our sin. And he was even buried and put in the ground, sealed up in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. He's now sitting in authority at the right hand of the father as judge, as the king as our savior he's coming back again that wasn't the end of the story he'll be back he's going to claim all of us who call on his name for salvation in faith jesus is the way jesus is the truth jesus is the life just as john had put that years later in other portion of scripture paul spent time explaining this just before in chapter 3 This unifying salvation message continues with this glorious hope, which Paul concludes verse 3 with. Look at that with me. Verse 3, it says this. He talks about Clement, the rest of my fellow workers, and then he finishes up this statement with, whose names are in the book of life. Why does he bring that up? What does that have to do with these people? Well, it's this great hope that if Jesus is their salvation and is their savior as he is ours, then there is a great hope that we look ahead to and we will see in the future. This is an exciting thing. It's heaven. It's eternity. Their names are in the book of life. It's a rare description of their future authority and of the judgment of Jesus as God over all of creation. This is a hope and a blessing as to how we should live now and to look ahead to how we will be in the future. Jesus is our representative before the Father. He's on the throne of grace and he is the living guide to how we should also live. His forgiveness at the cross means we need to extend forgiveness to others. His grace means that we need to extend grace to others. His union with the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit is an example of how we need to have that unity within the church with others. This Mother's Day, perhaps we are distant from those that are beloved to us, just as Paul was writing from Rome back to a city that was far away. But we can seek unity. We can remember this exciting joy of our faith in Jesus. This faith makes the unity and connection with each other and Christ possible. When we have that faith, we share the joy and forgiveness, and we should share it with everyone around us. I want to wrap up today's message with a story told by a mom in California. I have a West Coast theme happening. Maybe it's because I want the warm weather. Here's her story. It was a busy day in our Costa Mesa, California home. But then with six children and and one on the way, Every day was a little bit hectic. On this particular day, however, I was having trouble doing even routine chores, all because of one little boy, my little Len. He was three at the time and he was on my heels no matter where I went. Whenever I stopped to do something and turned around, bang, he's right there. I would trip over him. Several times I patiently suggested fun activities that would keep him occupied. 
wouldn't you like to go out and play on a swing set? I would ask him that again and again. But she simply smiled an innocent smile and said, No, that's okay, Mommy. I'd rather be here with you. Who can resist that? Then he continued to bounce happily along after me. After stepping on his toes for the fifth time, I began to lose my patience. And I insisted that he go outside and play with the other children. And I asked him, why was he acting this way? He looked at me with his sweet little green eyes and he said, Well, Mommy, my Sunday school class teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps. I can't see him. So I'm walking in yours. You and I, we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Sometimes that looks an awful lot like those are who are around us. And we can emulate them because they are chasing after Jesus too. Put your trust in him. If you've never put your trust in Jesus before, I urge you, check this out. I want to pray with you that you can accept Jesus into your heart. But I also want to encourage you, maybe you know Jesus and you just realize I haven't been living this. And I need to, to ask repentant. I need to repent. I need to ask forgiveness. I need to get right with God. And if that's where you're at, I want to pray with you as well. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, your grace has been poured out on us. Your forgiveness has been explained. Your forgiveness has been given to us on the cross. And it was held deeply for us as you rose from the grave. And Lord, you are with us as judge and as our king. Lord, in our hearts today, we recognize our sin. We, we know that we hold that and we don't want to let it go. But today, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us of our sin as we do let it go. We pray you'd forgive us of that and make us right with yourself and with the Father. And through the Holy Spirit, come into our lives to help give us direction and guidance that we can live better lives for you. I thank you, Lord, for that gift. I thank you for releasing me from the chains and the bondage that sin is. Lord, I pray that as I know you, Lord, when I reach back for that sin and I, I don't want to let it go, I, I pray, Lord, you, you, through your spirit, speak to my heart and teach me your ways, that I would let go of those things, that I would turn to you and, and seek you out. Lord, forgive me of my sin every single day. A daily, I pray, Lord, help me pick up my cross and follow you. Because this is what it means to be ask forgiveness and to extend forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for your love to us today. And we pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that either of those prayers, we would really love to hear from you here at Temple. So you can send an email to us. Send us a quick note. Let us know what you, what you prayed. Let us know what you're thinking so that we can be praying with you and rejoice as a family together. Send that to info at templebaptistchurch.ca. Or even better, give us a phone call and leave a message at 519-658-9001. And it's extension 221. We'd love to hear from you. You can find those things on our website as well at templebaptistchurch.ca. I'm one of the pastors, and I would love to get back with you over the, these issues. We would love to hear from you. If you feel reconciled to God today, reach out and share that joy with us. We want to share it with you too. Sharing the joy of God's people is what this passage here today is all about. And we need to keep doing that. Jesus loves you. I really hope you have a great day.